Welcome back, everybody, to the Cinema Condition with your host, filmmaker and creator of the Nerdcore Podcast Network, Raul Alejandro Mendoza. And as always, we're back again for another episode as we talk about another movie with another guest. And this week, I'm being joined by a wonderful friend of mine. His name is, of course, uh, John Carlo Glenn of the Real Quick Film Lab. Of course, my, 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 my main guy who does my... Uh, film development he's also not just that he's just a great friend of mine what's called uh met him through uh my old my my university that i graduated from and you know he's just a great guy man and we're here to talk about uh francis ford coppola's apocalypse now today but uh hey john what's up nothing much a beautiful morning here it's not morning anymore but you know what i mean yeah Yeah. good afternoon it's very wonderful to be on this podcast uh been looking forward to it honestly yeah love, love hearing you talk about movies thanks man yeah uh, john john has been you know scoping it out he's been wanting to come on for a while now he was like yeah. hey man let's let's talk about come and see and i was like oh i'm really sorry bro oh, i wanted to, i wanted to yeah yeah it's all good uh, I was like, oh, I'm really sorry, man. Like, literally, somebody just took come and see from you. He's like, oh, well, uh, man, I really want to do a war film. Like, let me, let me, let me grab something. Like, I'll let you know what's up. And I was like, okay. Um, and you know, he ended up choosing this film. But uh, you know, John, John's been, John's been what's it called? Uh, wanting to get into this and wanting to talk with me about this because I guess what's it called? You, you've seen how I can get. You know what's it called? We've we've watched movies together. Yeah, know? I I have. It's yeah. you're very passionate, which is I am too. I feel that. Yeah, yeah man. But uh, John, for the people who don't know you, brother, you want to let them know who you are? Yeah, so uh, my name is John Carlo DeCurlian. Uh I own a film lab in Houston. Um, but uh, I know Raul through school, like you said. I think I actually had a class with you. Uh, it was like a TV production class. I don't know if you remember, but I think I remember you in that class. Uh, and you were, you were just like, dude... You're like making jokes. I can't remember what you were saying, but I was just like, dude, this guy's a goon. This guy's funny. <laughs> like that was before I knew you, like before I, I knew you through Pat and Kelvin. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just remember that. That was pretty funny. Yeah. But yeah, uh, my life is, I, I just develop film. That's my life pretty much. Yeah. Come on, dog. Don't, don't just say that, man. I mean, I'm course, a photographer uh, too. I like photography yeah. and I like, I like cinema and movies. Yeah. And John, what's it called? Uh, and then John also helped me out on my short film. He was uh, one of the uh, assistant cameras on my short film, and you know he helped me out with that. Plus, you know, what's it called? He helped me the most by giving me his wonderful friendship, man. I've I've known this man for a long time, and he's one of my one of my best friends, man. What's it called? And he's a he, he, it's it's something, man. What's it called? Yeah, I'm a I'm a little jokester. We 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 joke yeah. around, you know. We, we go we, back. We, we go back. Go back, man. But um. <laughs> Yeah, John's been wanting to be in here, and uh, he's he actually listens to the show. That's that's what I respect John for, man. John actually listens to it because I always tell people like, you know, when you come onto the show, you should probably listen to. The I mean, last couple I haven't episodes. listened to every episode, but no, I've but listened. you've listened to it. Yeah, listen to it. Yeah, so like I, I tell people like you should probably listen to this because you're probably gonna come in here with thinking like, oh, this is probably like a review and stuff, and like, yeah, no, 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 no this is, that's not what it is. So, like, it actually makes me feel real good that, you know, John comes in here and he's like, oh, no, I listened to episodes, bro. Like, I know what we're going to do here. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Cool. I'm ready. Cool. 
Yeah. Um, last time we were here, y'all, what's it called for the cinema condition? We were talking about the woman in the dunes with uh, my good friend, Leah Burns. I want to thank you all so much for the wonderful love you gave that episode. I know it's been a little bit silent and stuff. Like, um, I have explained in the past, uh, in the couple of, uh, on the, uh, on the Nerdcore stuff and on my YouTube channel, uh, I moved, um, well, since then, actually, um, I got fired from my job. Um, I moved. I was taking care of my brother at the moment, and then I contracted COVID, and then I had some problems with my uh, wisdom teeth, so I've just been kind of like in the backtrack, but I was wanting, this was going to be the next episode, and I was going to, let's go, hopefully record this before, but I was like, John, you know, let's, let me get out of here first, let me go move, get everything settled, let's go, so I can actually, you know, sit down and talk about this movie with you, because uh, I wanted to watch it, I wanted to watch this movie, but I wanted to, what's it called, like, you know, actually think, sit down think and about watch it, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, that's that. And uh, I'm glad that what's it called? Uh, everything's fixed now. We can, what's it called? Be here. And hopefully, guys, I can bring, I can, you know, bring it back to you all to, you know, being week to week basis with cinema condition, hopefully. But, um, yeah, we're still going through season two, my friends. And we're here for to talk about Francis Ford Coppola's uh, Apocalypse Now. Now, because we've never actually talked about Francis Ford Coppola, I do need to introduce you all to Francis Ford Coppola. So let's go ahead and get this. Let me go ahead and bring up my wonderful notes here and talk to you all about the filmmaker known as Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola is the famous man that I always think that he's dead, but he's not dead. Uh, he's very much alive. Not yet. Um, Brad always writes my ass because I he was because when I was like, oh man, Coppola was an incredible. He's like, what do you mean by was, bro? He's not dead. And I'm like, are you sure he's not dead? Um, I thought he was dead, but he's not. And uh, born April seventh, nineteen thirty-nine, Francis Ford Coppola is an American film director, producer, and screenwriter. One of the central figures of the new Hollywood filmmaking movement in the United States from the sixties to the seventies. His interest in theater and storytelling comes from a period when Coppola was contracted polio and was bedridden for a while, and he took that time to you know think about stories and create scenarios and such. Uh, before finding an interest in theater arts, though, he he pursued work in music, then would go to college for theater arts. Uh, after watching the film October, 10 Days That, sh that Shook the World, Coppola realized his interest in cinema. So he changed his trajectory of his career to filmmaking. Coppola spent a bit of his early career creating nudie cuties to be able to make money. You want to know what nudie cuties are, right? Nudie cuties were erotic productions that showed nudity without implying any sexual activity. So one could say the ludes of today, right? The ludes yeah. of today. Um, Coppola made his feature-length directorial debut with the film Dementia 13 in 1963. In 1969, after going through a tough a rough patch with a studio, as he directed another feature, he grew tired of the studio system. The studio system's restraint on new directors, so he created his first production company, Zotrope. He is known for some of his films like The Godfather Trilogy, The Conversation, The Outsiders, Rumble Fish, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and of course, today's movie that we're talking about, Apocalypse Now. He is a multiple Academy Award winning director, Palm Dior winner for The Conversation, and multiple Golden Globe winner. He's one of the most important filmmakers, and uh, he is very much close friends with the likes of Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. But um, 
yeah, that is Francis Ford Coppola. And um, John, before we like actually get into the film, why this one, bro? Why did you want to pick this movie? Uh, I just like the Doors, man. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, I do, but uh, I just think the movie is just, uh, it's just like one of a kind, honestly. I mean, it's a classic, but like, like, you know how Apocalypse Now, it's just, I guess it's, it's always been like one of those movies that's, I guess, famous, but like, like people could, I guess, say it's overrated because it's been talked about so much, I feel like, but uh, I think... I don't know. I just think it's a really like cool, mysterious movie, and like, there's not a lot of movies like it. I feel like it's, it's just, uh, it's like a descent into madness. You know, I mean, there's movies like that, but not the setting and the, the uh, story and everything. You know. Mm-hmm. I, I just agree like with the you, man. the this mysterious is... of the darkness. You know. Yeah. And for those of you who are wondering which cut we're talking about today, um, I have only ever seen the theatrical cut of the film, and I have watched this one now because we are going to be talking about today about the final cut, um, which is yeah, about three hours and two minutes long. I've only ever seen that one. I've never seen the redo Redux because the Redux, yeah. I believe, was like three hours and 20 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, shit's long. And I'm like, you it's, know. It's really long. And I've also heard that it's not the preferred cut. Like, you know, yeah, I mean, it was, I think the Redux was his, uh, like his true vision, right? Uh, the, the director. That's no, what I, he says that this is, this is the, this is it. Like, uh, Coppola said that the final cut, the one that we watched, or I'm sorry, the final this, cut, yeah, yeah, that's the what final I meant. cut is the definitive cut. This is yeah. the, the true vision of the film, and this is, uh, this is the way that he wanted, that he would have wanted to go, wanted it to come out at the time. You know, and of course, uh, newly restored and everything on 4K transfer. Oh, it's beautiful. Fucking beautiful. It's man. so beautiful. I was kind of blown away last night. I'm like, wow, I, this is like, this movie is like, what, 40 years old? More than that. It just looks yeah. like, it looks modern. It's crazy. Having watched, shots. yeah. And having watched the theatrical cut, knowing how that mo- the movie used to look. Yeah. I was like, oh, Whoa. shit. Like, That's they possible. They put in a lot of work. Like, yeah. They put in a lot of work. Yeah. But, uh. Yeah, um, we're going to go ahead and get into this, y'all. This is our conversation on Francis Ford Coppola's 1979 war epic, Apocalypse Now. You've heard of Colonel Walter E. Kurtz. Your mission is to terminate the Colonel's command. Terminate. Terminate with extreme prejudice. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Very obviously, he has gone insane. This is the end, my only friend, the end. Are you an assassin? I'm a soldier. Come on! Come on! Come on! Come on! 
All right, man. Let me go ahead and talk a little bit here. What's it called? The film apparently loosely adapts the 1899 novella Heart of Darkness by Joseph uh, Conrad. And uh, funny enough, um, it's the film started off by being produced by Coppola and was going to be directed by George Lucas. But Lucas... Could you imagine that? Out. <laughs> Completely different movie. Dude, Completely different yeah. movie. But after scheduling conflicts, of course, uh, Coppola would take over territorial de- territorial uh, duties. And uh, this this movie was um, quite the uh, the hell to yeah. go through. Yeah, um, there's so much stuff that went wrong and just craziness. Multiple production errors, uh, you know, intense uh, weather that pretty much damaged gear and uh, damaged sets and um also of course uh is very known that uh martin sheen what's it called uh went through a really really bad mental breakdown on set and uh almost had a had a near fatal heart attack yeah yeah um of course um there's just so much more man i mean it's 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 nuts like the budget kept doubling and doubling and doubling yeah. when Things were going wrong and, you know, cuts weren't being made and what's it called? The movie wasn't ready. It gets screened at con unfinished and, you know, it's still not done. It's this, this movie went through hell and back to get made. Um, I was reading that Coppola actually was like, like, I will give up my, my, what's it called? My home. Oh yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm, All the profits I made off the Godfathers. What's it called? And my car. As long as you let me make this fucking movie. And let yeah, me he was movie. invested. He, I mean, I think that's really why it was finished. I feel like uh, he really put his whole soul into that movie. Like, it took a part yeah. of him, honestly. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course, one of the biggest things that happened, which was, uh, you know, Coppola would cast Brando to come into the film. And Brand- Marlon Brando was supposed to, you know, he placed uh, what's it called the Kurtz and, you know, Kurtz doesn't come around until like really towards the end of the film. So, you know, you didn't really need Brando most of the time on that set. Um, and then when Brando comes to set, he comes in severely, majorly overweight. Yeah. From what he was from what he originally was supposed to be. And uh, he had to rewrite the ending. And uh, Coppola actually had a lot of trouble writing the ending again. And it pretty much took him so much time until he finally was able to get the ending and he fixed that. Um, and if that isn't the biggest, you know, example of how fucking hard it is to work with Marlon friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're I'll always, though, it's always unexpected. There's always yeah. something. I'll say though, what's it called? From what, what we got, honestly, like, you know, thankfully that Marlon Brando came in overweight. Cause uh, it worked out. Go, yeah. It, it yeah. worked out for sure. Um, also funny thing that I had, you know, noticed too, cause I, I've, I've watched, I've listened to a lot of podcasts. I've watched a lot of videos on this movie before. Um, one thing that always, what's it called? Um, always, uh, interests me to talk about is the fact that, um, this was shot in the Philippines. Um, yeah. During their civil war. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember reading something about that too. And he managed to get helicopters from the Philippines to be able to shoot this film and be able to shoot inside of a country during social, uh, civil. That's crazy. Yeah. Like it's fucking nuts. Um, and also he, you know, he 
gone went through so many people to try to cast them and nobody wanted to leave the United States, bro. Nobody wanted to leave the United States for that yeah. long. You know, a lot of people were scared of getting sick at the time and yeah. you know, no, nobody wanted to be away from home that long and um, of course this also features a very very young a four, apparently 14 years old um 14 year old Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, that's right. Didn't yeah. he lie to be like about his age for the movie? That's yep, so ironic because like his character in the movie, I didn't I don't know if it was implied that he lied about like joining at a young age or something. Yeah. Cuz like that happened a lot, like they would lie about their age to join the war. Yeah. yeah. But I just thought that was that was ironic. Yeah. Uh but um so of course what's it called? Um I, I usually say like it doesn't matter whether I like a movie or not, we're gonna have to talk about it whether I like it or not. But um there's some times where I just have to offer my thoughts because like this is one of my favorite movies of all time, man. This is my this is my second time watching this film. First time watching the final cut. Um this movie's fucking incredible. I mean this 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 movie doesn't like it's crazy. It's, it's, it's just like it captures madness so well, like the madness of I guess war, like it just captures it so well. I feel like it's yeah. so chaotic. Yeah, everybody would be like, "It's such a slow burn," but like you need it to be a slow burn. Yeah, it's like, a descent. You know. Yeah, you you can't really what's it called a uh, understand that descent into that madness unless mm-hmm. you like have this movie play out so slowly. Um, yeah. I first watched this film when we did our um, '70s film month for the Nerdcore. And uh, Brad chose it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's go. I never watched this film. And um, I had only known about the, um, uh, what's it called? I love the, the smell of uh, nap- a fresh napalm in the morning. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's that's all. That's what I knew, that line. And, of course, what's it called? The, the fly to the Valkyrie scene because that's, like, a really, really, really famous yeah. scene. Um, and also everybody has kind of, like, imitated it to hell and back by now. Oh, yeah. Like, it's crazy. That's from this movie, you know? Yeah. That, da, 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 da. Like anytime yeah. you hear that, that's from this. Yeah. It's kind of like what's it called? Uh, the other one, the, 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 I, I can't remember the name and I know I'm going to be shit at pronouncing it, but uh, the song from like 2001 Space Odyssey. The, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 But um, yeah, I love this movie, man. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite performances of all time. It, it's, it's fucking nuts how everybody's just so fucking good in this movie. Man. Everyone was and, just uh, on top. Yeah, with their performances. And I guess it, that's kind of the case because, like, everybody was kind of like ready to be done with this. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's another point. <laughs> yeah, but um, let's go ahead and get into this, man. Um, I think if we have to start somewhere with with talking about, you know, specifically the themes of the film and stuff like that, I think we have to talk about, you know, the war in general and, and like what we're ta- looking at here because, um, so this the reason why this loosely adapts, uh what's it called uh, arm an army of darkness i'm sorry heart of darkness is like heart of darkness covers the congo uh, 19th century congo and um this changes it to the vietnam war and um we are pretty much like spend a lot of our time we, we never spend our time anywhere outside of vietnam and cambodia it's just those two areas and uh i think that we definitely see the scope of what the war is though is doing uh, because we see, like, I mean, just from the beginning, like, you know, our opening shot literally is napalm falling on the yeah. beaches of of of, of uh, Vietnam. Yeah. Um, and the film is captures like the scope of what the Vietnam War is like pretty extensively. Like, you know, it it captures a lot of it. It's not just like the forefront. It's like, you know, 
uh, something that the final cut has that's so interesting uh, that the theatrical and redux, I don't know if the redux had it, but the theatrical didn't, uh, you know, the conversation with the uh, French people. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, I think that was added. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who are like, you know, we're not here because what's it called? Uh, we, you know, we want to, you know, fix something. It's kind of like giving the the idea of like we we're here because we need to finally prove something about us. Like, we yeah. need to what's it called to win something. Like, it's this isn't like pulling out at this point isn't a isn't a what's it called a a viable option for us. Yeah. But uh, what do you think about like the war aspect? Like, what what? Give me some thoughts on that, man. Well, I mean, I don't know how else you could have adapted that book, like for the time like i think that was a perfect scenario using the vietnam war you know mm-hmm. um because it's just like this just total amount of destruction like especially at the beginning it just starts it with that like napalm just burning these trees you know helicopters flying by yeah and then you hear like this is the end you know by the mm-hmm. doors playing and it's like it's just talking i guess about like just destruction like this is the end of i guess i don't know humanity in this in this scenario you know it's gone there's no humanity it's kind of just like destruction um but i think that the film is really just a metaphor for like how destructive like man can be in war you know like we just kind of revert to our primal instincts and just we just kill you know it's it's like just showing that how um like we we're capable of that which is scary you know yeah, and if and it's like you have to kind of especially look at the um, at the time in American history, especially. Um, I think th- having that song by the doors is is like really, really what's it called? Uh, powerful because like, you know, the the Vietnam War era is specifically the end. Like, that's the last time. You know, that's really where you can tell, like, you can pinpoint in American society where the citizens stopped trusting politicians. Like, yeah, that was it. Like that that was that was it. You know. And uh, if you look at, you know, of course, what what the United States had gotten itself into before, you know, let's go before, let's go World War II. I mean, you know, say what you guys say or something, but you know, Japanese attack Pearl Harbor. Yeah, United it was States it was more justified, the, definitely. You know, yeah, but you know, the United States gets into themselves from an attack from that. But uh, you know, Vietnam, you know, they're, they're going in, you know, for nothing. You know, no, no attack, no nothing like that. And, you know, they overstay their welcome, and um, you know, they they, they lose the war. And uh, this is like this is the end. And if anything, this is the end of humanity. Of uh, what's it called? Uh, the you know the the end of like that um, rifle just military yeah. military that was the United States. You know, the one that fought for the freedom of the world during World War Two and World War One. You know, this this is where you know the tides really changed. And the United States became a police force. Yeah, pretty much for mm-hmm. for communism. You know, like they yeah. were just trying to stop the spread of communism. So yeah, yeah, they just it, it wasn't the same as how it was in World War Two. You know. Yeah, and then um, you know, there's other stuff that just you can pinpoint to, like you know, when um, one of the one of the what's it called uh, one of the soldiers what's it called is shooting like. With the flight of the Valkyries when they're coming in, they're just shooting everywhere, man. Oh yeah, you know, just you know, no, no matter who the hell they're hitting, you know, they're 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 shooting it's, whoever. It's crazy because the first time I saw that scene, I was kind of surprised. Like, uh, the action for a movie made in like I think they were filming in like seventy seven, I think to seventy nine, mm-hmm. um, or seventy eight. But 
like I feel like for the action, um, like the action was filmed very well for that time. Um, mm-hmm. Like I don't know, I'm just like comparing the, what just comes to mind is like Star Wars, like the original Star Wars in '77. Like if you look at the action and how it was filmed, I mean it was less, um, it was more practical effects, but mm-hmm. um, it's just like to compare those two movies. I just feel like uh, Apocalypse Now. The action is kind of just like. I feel like it was ahead of its time, especially for that scene and how it was it was shot. I was surprised when I saw that because they were doing a lot of shots on helicopters, uh, and I was just like, "Damn, this is this is like really well filmed." Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you got like really interesting, you know, what's it called? Characters who kind of like show like what war really means to some of these characters, like uh, Lance. Uh, Lance, holy crap, man! That man. That man just sees war as a game. That that to him yeah, that he's just a game. there to have fun. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like I only care about the surfing and like everything yeah. else is pretty much just a game. I don't really care about what else is going down here. Um, you know what's called to Martin Sheen? Who Martin Sheen? Like you know the character uh, Willard? Like you can tell throughout the whole film, like he's seen some a lot of shit, a lot yeah. of shit that you know. Like he's pretty much what's it from the beginning. Uh, you know that he's like messed up. You know he's 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 got PTSD and. He's like totally already messed up at the beginning, you know? Yeah. And, um, <clears throat> and then you also have, of course, our, uh, you know, our, the person that, that, you know, we take this whole journey to meet, you know, you have Kurtz, uh, who is pretty much, just, he's gone. Kurtz, yeah. Kurtz, Kurtz, what's it called? <laughs> Kurtz betrayed the whole, his country. Yeah. What's it called, uh, what's called befriended the natives, created his own branch, apparently. And, um, you know, he's, he's gone as well, but he, I don't know why, but he feels the most sane out of all of the other ones. Like, you know, compared to Lance, like he's not. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, you know, he's Lance sees war as a game and, um, and Kurtz sees the war as like, you know, like what's it called? Something that can evolve and something that we can, what's it called? Uh, use as a, to, to learn from, but in the end, you know, we don't really, what's it called? Uh, learn from, but we just keep you could creating our mistakes. Say that about, uh, the, what's his name? Kilkor, the, uh, is he a Colonel or he was like the helicopter commander? Yeah. The Lieutenant Colonel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you could really compare them to like where he's like, he doesn't really even care about the war. He just wants to surf. You know, he's just trying to find a good spot to surf. And yeah. like, the Vietnamese are just in his way. He's just like, we'll just blow him out of the water, you know? Yeah. And he views war like a totally, in a totally different sense. He It's like, he doesn't even like care. Like he's just like, yeah. And it's just crazy to compare him and Marlon Brando's character because uh, it's like a totally different demeanor. Like uh, Marlon Brando is like broken. He's, you know, Kurtz is like totally broken. Like, this is a man that's like a shell of a person, you know? He's seen some stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's what I was talking about. I was, I was talking about Lance. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was talking about what's oh, called okay. uh, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall's yeah, character, yeah. yeah. The, the colonel, uh, Bill, who, like, the surfer. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, that's all he cares about. He, like, what's it called? Even, like, what's it called? Um, When um when that one guy brings the baby, right? And he's just like, oh, he's yeah. Holding it, like, what the fuck do you want me to do with this? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, fuck you. Get in the, in the helicopter. Get out of here. Let's go. Yeah. 
this guy, it's like he's just kind of looking at it like, what do you want me to do with this thing? Like, you know, it's not, I don't care about it's, this. Like, it's weird because his character, you would think, um, he would be like non caring, I guess, towards the Vietnamese. But like, there's a part where one of the soldiers has water and he's like, he tries to give him some water. And then mm -hmm. someone tells him about surfing. And then he's like, he just, like, he's going to give this guy some water. And then he turns around and he misses the guy. And he's like, oh, there's good, there's good waves over there. Like, he just doesn't even care. It's like you have a moment where he's going to be, I guess, compassionate. And then he's just like, what? There's, there's some waves I can surf. Yeah. And like that's what he kind of says during like like that's that's what like kind of comes up to my mind because when when the whole like when he's when he gets the uh the napalm you know when the napalm falls yeah. that's what he says like oh it should be cleared in a couple of hours in a couple of hours guys i think we'll still have enough time for the surf yeah like this, this man is not thinking about anything else about this. like this word means nothing to him yeah this word means nothing like this is a game for him like he even, yeah. he even throws the cards on the guy, on the on the dead body. I mean, that's another thing. Yeah, it's just a game. Like, it's totally trivializing. I mean, I, I guess that's another comment on war. It's just like, eventually you just trivialize it and they're just enemies. Like, they're not even human, you know? You just cast them aside. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is also how, like, um, what's it called? Uh, the um, How a lot of them, a lot of the characters in this film really don't give a shit about authority. Yeah. Um, the one, the one, the two who are always, uh, what's it called, uh, who care about authority, of course, are Martin Sheen and the uh, the guy who's piloting the the boat. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. Like they are always butting heads, right? Yeah. Bill, uh, the people in that last stop, what's it called, where they stop the boat and the with the uh, with the black infantry, like the river. They don't yeah. give a shit about like. Yeah, they, they're authority like, means nothing. Yeah, he him. he's like, who's it? You know who's in charge here, and the guy's just like, "Yeah," and he walks away. <laughs> yeah, I think one of them. He asked one of them, "It's like, what, what's it called? Uh, who's in charge here?" And he says, "Like, ain't that supposed to be you?" Yeah, <laughs> like they're lost. They're lost. Yeah, like, I don't even know how much time they've probably been there. Yeah, they just been stuck in that river, and um, and they don't. And of course, Bill doesn't care. Bill, I think, I think, it, I think it even bothers Bill that um uh, that. Martin Sheen's character comes in with a higher rank and he's just kind of like telling them stuff. Yeah. And it's not until like he tells them a little bit about the surf, like about the waves and stuff. And he's just like, okay, maybe you got a point. Maybe we should go up the river. Yeah. It's, it, he only wants to go up there because the, the tide is, is better. Yeah. That's yeah. just so funny. Like, yeah. And it's just, it's, 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 it's wild how like, you know, the, because you're always taught, right? Like, oh, what's it called? The branches, like, you know, every rank means something more. And, like, that rank, what's it called, answers to the one who's on top. And that one runs, and, like, everybody always, what's it called, at the very top, of course, is the general and stuff. And you would think that that's very important. But when you, like, look at it and you really, really think about it, what's it called? A lot of these groups are, like, in these areas for a really long time. They don't even know what the hell's going on anymore. Especially yeah, it doesn't matter. Thing. Yeah. Like, does it really matter who's in fucking charge? Like we got people running at us. What's it called? Uh, uh what's it called? Running at us with guns. It's like at this point, like I don't give a shit who's in charge. What's they're just called? trying uh, to survive, you know. Yeah. Like they're just trying to survive out there. And it's and it reminds you of like when Martin Sheen, what's it called? With the uh, when they get to that one boat when they're still going up the river, 
And uh, the, when the cat, when he tells the guy what's called who's uh, Albert Hall's character who's who's piloting the, the the boat, right? And he tells him like, what's it called? Like, no, let's not go over there. Like, let's just keep going because I we need we need to stick to the mission, stick to the mission, yeah. stick to the mission. And like, they they of course get into that firefight and whatnot. And then like, she's supposed to what's it called the the guy what's it called Albert Hall is telling him like, hey, like let's just what's it called a. Uh, Put the girl, put the lady in the in the thing. Let's go get her to like a hospital and stuff. And he's just like, nah, fuck it. And then boom, just shoots her. Yeah. Shoots her and it's like, like I told you. Yeah. The mission comes need... first. Yeah. Yeah, they butted heads a lot because he, he was saying, this is my boat, you know? Like, mm-hmm. this is my rules, you know? You're just on it and I'm taking you there. Yeah. And then, of course, in that boat, you know, like, um, I think I think a lot of those characters have our are, are, I think the only one who's saying is the is the captain. It's not Captain uh well not, not uh, Martin Sheen but the other guy Albert Hall's character. He is the only one who's kind of saying because everybody else is losing it. Um who, who Lawrence the uh... Fishburne's Lawrence Fishburne's character is kind of cuckoo too. Yeah. Um the guy with the who gets the dog is like losing it. Absolutely oh, yeah. losing it. Like, yeah. He it's you mean the uh the sur- uh the surfer guy Lance or the chef guy? But, uh, the chef, I think the chef's like all right, you know. The chef hasn't really like he's 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 okay, but Lance for sure. Lance. Is, oh yeah, Lance was lost. He he totally. Yeah, Lance is gone. Like, there's that one brilliant scene where it's like at night and he's just like completely losing it and like. Yeah. Um, I mean, he lost it to the point where he was doing the like the one of the dumbest decisions in this movie. Goddamn, like where he's where he's what's it called the smoke screens, he's got it going. I'm like. Way to way to give off your position, dumbass. Yeah. Dude, to... he like he he joined the uh, natives at the end here. <laughs> with them. Yeah, dude, that's, that's yeah, and um, you also have like the fucking photojournalist too, yeah. who like said, "Fuck the U.S. Army, I'm following this man," and he goes yeah. to Kurtz, and he's just like, "Does nobody here give a shit about the war?" Like, there's like. No, I don't. I'm convinced that nobody here actually cares about like getting out of Vietnam. Yeah, it's just like an endless cycle. Yeah, and I, and I guess in in a, in a way that that's what's what's it called contributing to the uh, descent into madness is that like, you know, you've been in here for a long time now, and there's no end in sight, and you know we're really not winning, you know, because that you know we're just we're just dying and dying and dying and dying. And no, we're not really changing the tide here. Like no, nobody's you know a clear cut winner right now. Yeah. And there's nothing that they can do, but they're what's it called? Their their ranking officers, the ones who are at the the ones who can make the big decisions, refuse to pull out. Yeah. If anything, like they escalated. I think towards the end, like didn't they go into like Cambodia and Laos? They started like mm-hmm. attacking. Like yeah. they they tried to expand the war, which is crazy. Yeah, that's and I think that's another contributing factor as to why you know the war went the way it did is because you stretch too thin and you're like you know yeah you're going into Laos and you're going into Cambodia and you're like okay the what then what the fuck exactly are we doing here yeah like, what exactly are we doing here but um I think what what specifically one of the biggest things that you can pinpoint with this film that you can discuss is the uh, the factor of uh, dehumanization. I mean, yeah. What what is what truly like? Because I think I think what like what these films specifically when you do a war film correctly, I like like come and see 
Saving Private Ryan, um, and and a lot of other ones that are escaping my mind at the moment. Like thin red liners, you know, know. like like what yeah. what they specifically can 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 teach you. Um, I think it's just how war um, strips you of humanity. Yeah, you know, it just takes you down to basic like kill or be killed instinct. Yeah, yeah. And you brought up you brought up a good point where you're like it's pretty much the most primal act that we can commit. Yeah, is to just you know in, in endorse into endorse combat and uh, come face to face with people and just murder. Yeah, and you know. Of course, we don't just have straight up like you just murder. Like what's it called? We don't have just straight up like just work. Cause we, there's 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 clear war crimes being committed in this movie. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. stuff like court martial like yeah. level type. Like in the shit. beginning, they're just like killing civilians, you know. Yeah, and it's like nobody seems to care about that. Yeah, like it's just like, lawlessness, you know. Yeah, and uh, part of it, you know, part of it is you know uh, what's it called. Uh, uh, a product of the time that you know this is it because like really the 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 fight uh, the what's called the war in Vietnam is really just like let's let's what because a lot a lot of what was going on at the time is just like let's stop the sphere of communism you know yeah and uh, it's something that you know, not just this movie but like you know always like Full Metal Jacket even bring up they're like you know we're here to stop communism like this this is a fight against communism this isn't a fight against the Vietnamese this is a fight against communism yeah and. Uh, you know, you're you're pretty much dehumanized to the point where they're like, you know, what's it called? Um, I'm I'm not I'm I don't care who it is. You know, like the enemy is the enemy, and we're we're gonna what's it called? Take down the enemy, you know. And um, there's also the innocent, you know, because there's a, another scene in this film where it really shows you how fucking far gone these people are. I'm talking about the the girls when the girls come to to the party to the thing that they do for them at the at the airfield. Oh yeah, that was so like that was pretty random. Like that was just in the middle of like this river, and they have like this giant stage, and they fly yeah. them in, right? Yeah, they fly them in because like you know, like let's be real, these these men have probably been here since the beginning, right? And um, we want to say like a good like five six years, they have not seen their wives, they have not seen their girlfriends, they have not been around anything involved, and they pretty much get resorted to acting like apes like yeah fucking they just storm apes. the stage yeah and like i mean it just goes to show you like we we don't they don't even care about the innocent people like the people who they're they're trying to protect you know like the people who like back home we're trying to protect these people to make yeah. sure that they have freedom it's like you don't even care about them because you're acting like like freaking apes like you're not acting like a human anymore yeah it's funny because i feel like that would only be the case like in Vietnam in that scenario, like if this was like in the US, like that something like that wouldn't really happen where they just storm the stage like crazy rabid people, you know? That's mm -hmm. just because they're in this 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 place that's like probably a nightmare, you know? Yeah. And they're just like totally gone. They really are. And it's um it's 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 hell on it's hell on fucking earth, man. Cause like there's not one there's not there's not ever like a scene where you can pinpoint where there's like just silence and like everything's okay. You know, something's there's always some sort of like noise. You know, you're hearing gunshots, you're hearing people screaming, you're hearing bombs falling down, um, you're hearing people what's called who are just losing it. Like there is never a point where we can really feel like, oh, we're relaxed here. And I think the only time you can get a little bit of that is the narration. But even then, you yeah. know, the narration's coming from the guy who's fucking losing. 
like literally we saw in the beginning just in his underwear like losing it with blood yeah. all over his face and um yeah it's just it's this 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 uh this movie really 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 shows you fucking how far gone humans can get where to the point where like they don't care who you are like yeah they're not they even can, human they, anymore you know yeah they're not they're not and, um like just committing absolute fucking war crimes bro like you know shooting civilians who you know have nothing to do with it and yeah. they're you know they they're what's called a, they're not even helping the Viet Cong site and they're just getting shot and killed and um yeah this just what's it called it's just it's it's a clear picture of what exactly war is supposed to do and um, yeah just destruction destruction dehumanization and you know lawlessness to be yeah be quite honest man yeah it's but um yeah we're gonna go ahead and get into a break guys but when we come back we're gonna go ahead and keep on talking about apocalypse now but in the meantime please listen to these words from the nerdcore podcast network and we'll be right back hey i'm Roland mendoza and this is jabril newton and we are the hosts of high flyer radio, radio. And finally, pro wrestling has come back to the NerdCore podcast feed in the form of a show hosted by Jabril and I. And we talk about everything and anything in the pro wrestling world on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Nothing's off limits. Whatever you guys want to talk about, it is from AEW to SmackDown to Raw to NXT. Nothing's off the table. We can talk about it. We're going to talk all about it. And if you can get it a day early, you should go to the www patreon.com slash the nerdcore and pledge to the tiers on there so you can get this show and a lot of shows days early before anybody else gets to hear it but enough talking about it we'll go ahead and see you there at the square circle don't tap out tune in tune in hello 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 guys and gals and you're listening to the ladies of nerdcore i am your host daniela nunez and along with my amazing co-host ashley garcia we discuss many things like social impact pop culture political realms and any controversy surrounding the nerdverse tune in and listen to us bi-weekly on the nerdcore podcast feed and we will love to chat and hear your thoughts on our wonderful show and thank you again for listening to the ladies of nerdcore hey everyone my name is raul and I am the host of The Impert Files. The Impert Files is an interview show brought to you every Thursday on the Nerdcore podcast feed. And I interview people such as filmmakers, content creators on YouTube, and podcasters like Colton Geschwander. And if you want to listen to that early, a whole week early, all you got to do is go to the Patreon and pledge to the $1 tier. And if you want to listen to it with the general public, then go to Nerdcore podcast feed on anchor.fm slash the nerdcore. And the case is closed, but it's not classified. See you guys there. Hey, it's Ashley from the GamerCore. You may remember me from such episodes as Big Screen Mess, Mo Money Mo Platforms, and Brad Can Read. Tune in weekly as I blab with my co-host Raul the Nerdy Chicano and Brad the Random Germ about the latest news in gaming and gush over what we're playing at the moment. Oh yeah, and we got the deals too. Keep up with the latest deals in gaming and what's happening as I mediate Brad and Raul fighting like a married couple. Will Death Stranding ever come out? Will Cyberpunk 2077 live up to the hype? Is a next-gen worth a $500 console price tag? And has there ever been a movie adaptation of a video game that's been done right? It's all on the Gamer Core podcast, everywhere where podcasts are. Hey guys, this is Brad, aka Young Yoda. 
Raul said I had to make an ad, so that's what I'm doing. Um, it's supposed to be for Unstructured, but as you guys know, you can freaking catch me everywhere when it comes to this podcast feed. You can find me on the Nerd Cores, on Gamer Cores, on Nerdy Chicanos sometimes when I get lost. Uh, I mean, but for this particular one, I want you guys to go check out Unstructured. The role gave me free reign to do whatever I want to do. I don't know what he was thinking. So go hear me talk about LeBron James and Taco Tuesday, vaping, uh, so many other freaking weird topics that uh, Chimichangas, that's a good one. Uh, shout out to Deadpool. And yeah, I, I guess this is the end of the ad. So if you guys want to find me, you can find me all over the place on this uh, podcast feed. Anyways, thank you guys for listening. I love you all. And nerd up. Everyone, I'm Raul. And I'm Brad. And we're the hosts of the Nerd Corp Podcast, the podcast that talks that nerd. Not on this ad, right? And we come to you every Monday, Tuesday, and Saturday. On the Mondays, we talk the news. That's the box office, the news of the week, and your trailer talk, if there is any. And on Tuesday, we have our theme review. And on Saturday, you have a Saturday morning review, usually movies that have come out in the week, or anything we want to talk about. Right, Brad? Exactly. Whatever we want to talk about, this is our show. If you don't like it, then you don't have to listen. We're the flagship show of the Nerdcore Podcast feed, and we can be found everywhere you can listen to podcasts like Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. So if you want to talk that nerd stuff with us every Monday, Tuesday, and Saturday, make sure you tune in. And Brad? Young Yoda out. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for sticking with us after the break. Uh, as always, it is appreciated that you are listening to this episode of The Cinema Condition. Of course, if you haven't been noticing, um, you know, what's it called, the episodes are still available on the Cinema Condition podcast feed. They're not available on the Nerdcore's podcast feed either. Um, and this is not going to be available. Um, you know, the video version is going to be available a little later than usual. Um, instead of this, because I'm I'm starting to... Uh, upload the archives to my own personal YouTube channel. So um, I'm also going to post the uh, video versions there. And I'm just going to be moving the cinema condition over to my YouTube channel. Uh, I've also noticed that a lot of patrons don't really interact with the video version. So if I make them, I'm going to just make them public and, um, you know, not hide the video version behind a paywall, paywall anymore. So um, they'll be available to public once we're, uh, we're done with the uh, season. I'm going to have everything uploaded. And when we start season three, everything's going to start, you know, going up like, you know, accordingly on my YouTube channel and then on the uh, audio version on the Cinema Condition podcast feed. And uh, yeah, it's still very much the show. It's still very much part of the Nerdcore. You know, it's, it's, it's part of my, my network. It's just uh, it's got a it's got a different home this time now. And um, hopefully uh, you all enjoy the video versions. Uh, they're very interesting to sign and see the uh, physical reactions that we have and just uh have fun, uh, or just you know, sometimes we got some interesting backgrounds in the back. Sometimes I think, like, what's it called? When I had Leah here, her, her boyfriend was just in the back playing video games, so uh, it's pretty interesting. But, um, yeah, thank you so much. Of course, uh, let's get back into our conversation about Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now. All right, John, we're um, we're almost done here, bro. I would like to say that we're almost done. Uh, so uh, when we finished talking, we were just talking about the dehumanization that factor. Um, and you you want to talk about a little bit about Martin Brando, right? You want to? Yeah, just about his performance and his character and the and his role in the film. Yeah. So um, 
this this film does a pretty good job of explaining a bit of Kurtz, but like what we pretty much kind of understand about Kurtz is that he was here at the beginning of the war. Uh, he went AWOL and he went rogue and they couldn't find him. He was presumed dead. Yeah. But then like they found out that a lot of uh, soldiers that were going into that area were coming up murdered. So they kind of figured that Kurtz actually wasn't dead. Instead, he kind of like, what's it called? Uh, you know, turn his back on the American military and decided to, um, to what's it called, uh, to make his own force. Um, and, you know, um, you don't ever see Kurtz until the end. And when we see Kurtz, he's for like a good, like fucking 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Like, that's he's it. built up through the whole film, you know? Yeah. Uh, so whenever they finally get to him, you're like, oh shit. Like, yeah. And we're also, remember, we're also pretty much of a, what's it called? Um, emphasize this mission does not exist yes message this mission is off the books because kurtz is supposed to be dead already and also i would imagine that if word came out that this actually happened and this what's it called like word came out that kurtz what's it called abandoned and everything and they did nothing about it for all this time until now the american military would be under a lot of fire like oh, a lot of because yeah yeah they had been pretty much just sitting and doing nothing for a while now yeah they've got Kurtz. this guy this commander that's totally rogue and <laughs> in doing Vietnam yeah yeah um so when we get to Cambodia uh, of course we're met by the native uh, tribe of of there and uh, Dennis Hopper's character who is the journalist and who what's called is help documenting everything. Um, oh, I want to say something. Think, I wanted to ask you, bro. Do you think yeah. there's any fucking film in that camera? Dude, he, I don't know. He has like 10 cameras on him. Uh, I was thinking that actually because he's got 10 cameras and I'm like, does he have like a lot of film or something? Or It is. It's granted. I believe he's been there for a good like, let's say five years at least, right? He has to be done with his film. Yeah. I was like, thinking that too, and it looked like he was taking pictures. So maybe he was, but he was just totally delusional and just taking pics. I want to. I want to say something though about when they arrived there. Um, mm -hmm. You notice, like, I love the shot. It's behind Martin Sheen. Mm -hmm. Like you get like the the back of his head, you know, and you see just all of these people that are painted white, you know, and the boats mm -hmm. are just like clearing out, and it's just completely silent. Like, oh yeah, it's like a, a long shot you have of them like approaching them and then them moving out of the way. It's such a good moment because it's like they finally, they're finally here and it's just this dead quiet. Mm -hmm. It's it's really powerful. And like I said, like one of the only moments where it's like just quiet. You know, nothing's going on, and it's like, okay, that's kind of how you know that something's going on here because this is not, this is not what the rest of this area that is what's called going through this war looks mm -hmm. like. like. Yeah. What the fuck is going on here? Yeah. But uh, you bring up that shot and it's, and it's amazing. It's an amazing shot because at first you kind of look at it and you're like, are those like little statues or something? Cause yeah. nobody's moving. And then once Martin Sheen gets there, they start moving. You're like, Holy fuck. Like that's people. That's people. Yeah. And um, it's a, it's an incredible shot. It's a, it really is an incredible shot. Yeah, it's like um, they're waiting for him, you know, to like they know he's going to arrive. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
well, of course, we arrived there, and uh, Kurtz, what's it called? Everybody keeps talking about Kurtz and, you know, how, how much of a genius he is, especially Dennis Hopper's character. He's pretty much kind of reinstating the fact that, like, you know, he's he's evolved, he's evolved, grown, he's grown past the idea of what war is supposed to be, and he's pretty much created a this this new idea of to look at what we're doing here in Vietnam, and uh, and when you meet Kurtz, he's he's a very like what's it called mysterious figure. Um, yeah, you don't even see his face. They, no, he, he's totally you know it's just a silhouette. Yeah, and um. You know he he he's kind of a little bit hard to understand. You know because he's he's pretty much speaking in poetry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you think he's bringing up like T.S. Eliot's poetry, um, and then just you know there's just like this weird kind of vibe you feel from him that like he kind of wants to kill you, but he kind of wants to keep you around for a bit because he wants to see what he can pull out of you. Yeah, and. uh I mean, Brando does a great job. I mean, Brando, Brando came in unprepared as hell. He does, he doesn't know the script, and yeah. he pretty much gives a pretty damn great performance. Yeah, like it works to have him come in unprepared and overweight. It, and he just, didn't read the book, too. Apparently, he like... didn't read the book. No, he didn't <laughs> read the book. Um, I don't know why this man just kept working with Coppola. Like, I don't know why this man wanted to work. Why Coppola wanted to work with him again? Like, <laughs> it's. Because you already had heard a little bit of what Martin Brando did on the Godfather set and how he was a bit difficult to work on there too. Yeah. I don't know why Coppola would want to work again with him. But, you know, that's beyond me. But um, I don't and, know. Maybe uh, he likes the results he gets in the performance. Um, it yeah. must be. Yeah. He's like, it's I worth going through that hill. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, he kind of, Kurtz keeps talking about how, like, you know, and he brings up a really, really interesting, you know, aspect here that we kind of discuss it's like you know i'm i'm only just another placeholder like you know i'm what's it called you get rid of me you know somebody else will be oh, there. Yeah. and of course i think that's what we kind of figure the ending is it's like you know the king has been killed the next one to step up it's is, almost is like yeah like martin sheen took his place at the end because he mm-hmm. comes out and everyone bows yeah yeah and it's just like you because know, and i think you get it you kind of get the idea because this whole time like that narration kind of plays like uh what if I'm not able to like, you know, actually complete this mission? And what if I'm not able to like, you know, get rid of this guy? You know, you can get rid of him physically, but you're mentally he's mentally going to be living in there for a while now. And I yeah. think uh Kurtz, the character knew he or he wanted to die. He like he wanted mm-hmm. he let him kill him pretty much. So he knew he knew it was over for himself. Um and it's funny because like you see the the documents he takes from Kurtz. It says he's like, drop the bomb, kill them all. Yeah, drop the and, ball, kill them all, yeah. And they were going to bomb him anyways, but like he killed the guy, he cut off his head, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why did he do that if he wanted them to all die? Maybe he just wanted to be killed first and then have everyone die? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was kind of confused by that. Yeah, I and I mean I think that that's kind of like maybe a glimpse into what Kurt's head is at the moment now. He's like, you know, what 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 I don't know what the fuck is going on anymore. What's it called? Yeah. Or maybe he die? wanted control about how he died or something. Yeah. And maybe that's his authority. You know, that's yeah. his 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 authority on how he wants to go out. And um 
even though he knew that what's it called once he he's done Martin, what's it called will willard is going to take over and he's going to what's it called pretty much following the same footsteps as kurtz and and the cycle is just going to keep repeating and repeating and repeating and that's kind of how like we get stuck into these situations of of never getting out of these areas because we've grown accustomed to what we're doing yeah each each person actually i remember they uh i think in the towards the beginning willard is he's narrating and he's saying everyone has a breaking point and mm-hmm. uh i think that's totally true just about any person you know like mm-hmm. like anyone could just break down and just totally lose it and lose control and i feel like yeah. he's he's just commenting on that and what you're saying too is we're like he he's assuming that he's going to take his place willard you know because at that point once he gets to the end of that journey and he finds and kills kurtz he's just going to mm-hmm. become the same thing because he just totally loses it at the end you know yeah um and and like a thing i i i there's something that i always kind of bring up with this film and i and i think this will be the last thing that we'll talk about before we you know get out of here but like you know the this film's depiction of ptsd is truly something this is something like at the 70s you don't really see a lot of this you know mm-hmm. like because you know it's at the time you know you, you're not really talking about it you know because like it's not something that like it's you know we don't really bring up ptsd from war until like you know the the 90s and then the 2000s yeah this was like like six or like five or six years after the vietnam war ended you know mm-hmm. like and, they were uh, already talking about it yeah and we were kind of like bringing up like the fact like this is what these soldiers are coming back to like this is how they this is probably what it looked like this is what they were going through and like you know to kind of like bring up you know, of course, you have to use it as a pinpoint, you know, in, with the heart of darkness to really talk about the descent into madness, right? But, you know, you kind of also bring up the fact that, like, you know, this is the effects of what war does to people. And it's like, unlike a lot, unlike what I, unlike a lot of what I've seen in those early war films, you know, you don't really see a lot of that. So, like, to really have this movie, like, a big point, a part of it is about PTSD mm-hmm. is it's kind of like ballsy because you know at a time in the american in the american society where none of this would ever talk about you know what's it called you went to war you came back and uh, it's like if you had ptsd you shut up about it you didn't get help yeah yeah that's so true it's terrible it's really it's really sad honestly yeah and i think that's the most sad part about this movie like you know of course on top of the other things you also you also see just like how like yes everybody's kind of like crazy here but like what kind of what just thinking about like what makes you sense kind of thinking about everything that they saw that kind of led them to be to be in that position yeah 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 they lost yeah. their humanity you know mm-hmm. and um and they're never going to get it back and you know they're going to stay like that because you know what's it called um they're not going to get help when they go back home if they even make it home yeah yeah that's true a lot of them don't if they make it home they still have that war with them you know they brought it with them back yeah because that's like all they knew for like however many years you know you're gonna go crazy yeah and uh yeah and and that's just that's that's something that's always like you know like stood out to me when i when i think about this movie especially like how it's personified with the um with the sound of the of the helicopters whenever you see that when you saw the fan moving in the beginning oh yeah you heard the like it's like you know, just stuff like that, just like really like what's it called? Um emphasizes, you know, how important of an aspect this is and like 
you know, I, I would hope that when, when this movie finally, when this movie actually came out, people were actually talking about how important of a, of a conversation it is to have about PTSD. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, it's, it was very real still is, you know? Oh, very much, very much. But um, yeah, man, uh, we're, we're, we're done here for now. I think, is there anything else you wanted to bring up? Uh, we got a, my next one that I come on for my next movie, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But, um, oh, okay. you know, yeah, I want to thank you so much, John. Thank you for coming on and talking about this movie, Thank you. Man. Thank um, you so much. Th- thank you, just French Ford Coppola, man. I, I really cannot, like, emphasize how great of a restoration this movie went through. Yeah. Like, if you guys, like, I, I kind of talked about this on the live show, and I kind of talked about it on my Twitter. You know, if any of my friends, any, any people, any of you friends who are watching uh, this have a 4k player and a 4k tv and you have not bought this disc. it's crazy it's so beautiful yeah like do yourself a favor because it's not just it's not just the fact that you get this movie you get all three cuts in yeah. 4k all three cuts in blu-ray you get the special features and then you get the heart of darkness documentary for 18 dollars right now like that's that's a deal it's a big deal it's a big big deal but like they put so much work into this. It's 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 wild, which is what makes me really excited because the Godfather trilogy comes out in March in 4K. So I'm already expecting that to probably look amazing as well. Yeah. But like you are fucking up if you don't have this. Like this is this is truly magnificent. And um the audio track is incredible too. And uh I I got I'm telling you guys, like, do yourself a favor, please buy this. Like, if you are a fan of this movie, you need to own this cut because I truly believe. This cut is the definitive cut because when I finished watching it, I felt like it was it, it felt so new. It felt like it was it was something different from that theatrical cut that I watched years ago. Yeah. yeah. I feel that too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad, man, because it's like, you know, this this like there's a lot of people, there's a lot of directors, and I'm not gonna name names, but you know, there's some directors who go back and they edit their footage and you know, they won't move on from their movies and it you know, they're they're there's nothing that I'm home about, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's not. Know. It's not. It's. I mean, there's probably been some good instances where they've added some nice things, but yeah, it's. It never really ends that good when you try and alter what you've made in the past. Yeah, but this this truly is a magnificent new cut, and it is the definitive cut. And it and honestly, what's it called? I'm glad that this this was re-edited because this this is great. I love. Yeah, it, it, it really is it's a masterpiece. Yeah, and I'm glad I own it in my collection because it's 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 an important piece of uh, cinema history. So, um, of course, John, every every single time we have somebody in here, we do ask them to give us a uh, movie that they want to come back to talk about for the next season of the Cinema Condition. This is your one and only appearance at the moment for season two because uh, we've already got it booked up. But uh, you know, John, what do you want to come back for next season for, bro? I'm thinking The Godfather Part One. Holy crap. Yeah. All right, man. Um, I've you, never you, seen it. You do have the chance. Like, I will tell you this right now. You do have the chance to to go ahead and choose the trilogy because, um, you know, Br- Patrick did the Three Colors trilogy. That's right, um, yeah. There's another trilogy that's coming this season. But also next season, we have another person who's coming on to do the whole Before trilogy. Okay. So if you're going to choose the Godfather Part 1, I ask, do you want to do the whole trilogy? Yeah, I mean, 
Sure. Let's do it. All right. All three. I've, you already probably pissed somebody off really badly, but you know. Hey, you, you I was going to do come and see, and someone already had it. So what fuck can you, you do? <laughs> <laughs> so fuck them. That's fuck. right. <laughs> nah. But uh, yeah. I'm excited, man. Those are some of my favorite movies of all time. Also, I mean, I we could spend like I'm long time. overdue to see these. Like, oh, so man. I mean, yeah. what what a better time to do it for the podcast? So yeah. Well, don't worry. What's it called? Come March when I buy that. What's it called? The new 4K. What's it yeah. Called? See, I'll, it's also coming out too. So yeah, you that's got exciting. you got the what's it called? The, you're gonna get you're gonna have the digital copy. Ooh, so you know, okay. Be able to watch it. <laughs> but, that's what's um, up. I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Those are some of my favorite movies of all time, and. um yeah, is, I'm fucking excited, man. That's that's great. I'm glad you chose it because I've also had the edits for those, the thumbnails yeah. for a long time. Yeah, <laughs> for a long time made already. Dude, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Um, as always, I want to thank uh you all for listening, but I want to thank John especially for coming on to talk about this movie with me. John, do you want to let them know where they can find you and all stuff like that on the internet? Yes. Uh, you can find me at Real Quick Film Lab, spelled R E E L, on Instagram. Um. Also, you can find me at my name, john.carlo.d on Instagram. Fuck yeah. Yes, sir. Get some of get some of his what's it called uh, work in your life, please. This man was featured on Photo Cinematica, guys. Like, it's a big deal, man. Yeah, it's a it's an online Instagram magazine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not- Come on, man. Don't play it off too much, bro. Come on. I watch Photo Cinematica on YouTube, bro. Come on. Like, don't don't Oh, don't they have a channel? Play. I didn't know they had a channel. Mm-hmm. They have a they have a YouTube channel. It's not as active as I would like it to be. I got to check that out. Yeah, your work's pretty good. But, Thank uh, you. Yeah, please go give John some love and uh, go and show him some love by following him and all that stuff, please. And, um, you know, tell him that you want to see him come back because uh, I'm definitely excited to talk about the Godfather trilogy with him. Me too, me too. Yeah, and as always, you can find me at The Nerdy Chicano on both Instagram and Twitter, twitch.tv slash The Nerdy Chicano. My YouTube channel is under my full name at the moment because – uh, I don't have a custom URL, and if you can get to 100 subscribers, I can go ahead and get that custom URL. But my channel is filled with a bunch of talk about physical media, about, uh, you know, films, and, you know, we do photography stuff every now and then. What's going on? Trying to get some photography vlogs in there, but it's kind of hard right now because, oh, it's called I have a lot of responsibilities. But, um, yeah, um, you know, go and check that out and go ahead and subscribe so you can go ahead and be part of all that. Uh, you can check out all the stuff I do with the Nerdcore by going to the nerdcore.com. I am getting ready to do my coverage of Sundance Film Festival, so I'm going to be a little, you know, what's it called, uh, busy around here. But you go check out all that festival coverage by going to www.thenerdcore.com. And, of course, I, what's it called, will, I am very excited to see where we go next and see who comes on, but I don't have a plan right now. But I will let you all know when we get closer to another recording date. But as of now, thank you all so much for sticking around with us. And we'll see you on the next one.